Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Some guys who were preacher fans, the only dudes who could ever teach me. Were some guys who were preacher fans, yes they were, they were, oh yes they were. That's a podcast theme right there. Welcome to Preacher Man, a podcast about AMC's Preacher. I'm Alex. I am Pete. And Justin is off for this episode. But first and foremost, I wanted to give a shout out to Jeff Solomon, who did the theme for our show, the theme music. Uh, oh, yes. Rolling the past couple of episodes. It Thank is, you, Jeff. Yeah, it is fantastic. I've listened to it a bunch of times <laughs> and really enjoyed it. Is it your uh, ringtone so yeah. now, Pete? <laughs> You're all right. I should make that my ringtone. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, that is uh, that is uh, comedy gold, and also really uh, sets the tone for this podcast. I'm very happy with it. Absolutely, I think uh, I'm going to check it really quick, but I believe, yeah, there we go. Uh, JeffSolomonMusic.com. If you want to check out his website or Solomaniac on Twitter, those are probably two places you can check him out. But thank you to Jeff for doing that, and thank you to AMC and the Good Lord above for providing us with this wonderful show, Preacher, that we can talk about. Thank you, uh, exactly. <laughs> thank you, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's too bad we're not talking about American gods. Yeah, uh, but speaking of, I would just like to go on a, a very small rant. Uh, oh uh, yeah, speaking of uh, uh, theme music. Uh, Kimmy Gatewood, who did our comic book club uh, theme song, is in Glow uh, right now, and I cannot wait to watch that on Netflix. Uh, she is a hysterical woman. I can't wait to watch her wrestle. This is going to be uh, very exciting. Yeah, this is probably almost definitely off topic, but that show yeah. is great. I'm actually almost done with the first season of it. Oh, uh, really? Are you? Yeah, yeah I am. Uh, Kimmy Gatewood is paired with Rebecca Johnson, two-thirds yeah. of the Apple Sisters. In a way, to tie it back, we've been talking about the past couple of episodes, how a lot of New York comedy people have been on this show. Kimmy and mm-hmm. Rebecca are not on Preacher, but they are on another show called Glow. Uh, so there you go. We're all covered for this episode in terms of the New York comedy scene. I think that's pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah, I would definitely uh, say so. <laughs> cool. Check out Glow, and that's the end of our Preacher podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about this. So uh, we got uh, we got a big flashback in this episode. Now, this is something we haven't actually talked about on our podcast that much, uh, Pete, since Justin's not here, I think we can be a little freer with the spoilers, right? 
I would say, or do you want to still be locked yeah, down? For the yes, listeners? definitely. Okay. So, uh, no. what happened with Jesse and his dad is a really big thing in the comics. It is something yes. that we keep flashing back to there. They're doing it in a similar area in the show. Uh, and we start to get, and this is actually something I don't think we really saw, if I remember correctly, in the comics. So it is new information. We got to see little Jesse and little Tulip hanging out. How'd you feel yeah, about this? Yeah, you don't. Yeah, that is something that is not kind of touched on in the comics. In the comics, they don't, they weren't, they didn't know each other as kids. Yeah. Uh, so this is a very interesting take to make their love uh, a little bit more deep rooted and go back a, a, a longer way. Mm. Um, but uh, that being said, I think this is fun. Uh, that's the nice thing about seeing something you love in a different medium is they're making different choices. And as, as far as I'm concerned, as long as they're staying true to the characters, I'm okay with a little kind of like different takes on mm-hmm. things. And I feel like this is cool because it really uh, sets up this thing of like these two are uh, um, t- uh, meant to be together mm-hmm. and have been and have this history that is very powerful and deep. Yeah. Uh, it kind of goes beyond this kind of like first love or first crush or, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. I mean, the fact that they have so much history together says a lot about the two of them. Well, speaking of history, the other thing this sets up, which again, remind me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe is present in the books at all. It, well, it, actually, I can say straight up it's not, is it ties Jesse and his family so straightly to Kin Cannon and Kin Cannon meet in power? Yes. Uh, yeah, which, which is, oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's different. No, I was just going to say it's a completely different take on it. And what's great is I want more Rorschach. Uh, in my TV show. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's kind of, of, because I know where it's going or hopefully we'll get to, Mm -hmm. uh, as far as the comic book is concerned. So seeing a little bit more of the character early on is definitely very interesting. Well, the thing that it does change if we want to keep on the comic book for a little bit is we are getting to a place where some bad stuff happens with Jesse's dad and it happens with Jesse's dad with another character, another member of Jesse's family in the comic books, which is in a long line of fucked up things that happen in the comic book. (laughs) That is that series of issues where they reveal what happened with Jesse's dad is one of the most horrifying, uncomfortable things that I've read. Like there's viscerally, visually horrifying things that happen in the preacher comic book in particular, but yeah, a lot of them, a lot of them. Yeah. But the psychological stuff that happens to Jesse around his father's death it's dealt with in a very different way on the show, and we're just starting in this episode to get the teases of that. I completely agree. And it, what's nice is it sets up this whole thing, and especially because there's some Justin's been wondering is why is this guy so hell-bent on mm-hmm. being a preacher, preacher? And it's this promise that he made to his dad. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll come back to that in subsequent episodes. Let's skip forward to the present and talk about hunting women. One of our favorite topics here. On the show. <laughs> it is not a favorite topic. No, it's not. Say I'm that. kidding. That's, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, that's uh, a weird thing to joke about being two dudes. Yes, it is a very weird thing to joke about. Uh, whatever you guys do, don't call the police. Nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. Um, but uh, so it turns out that one of the favorite pastimes of the people who work at Kin Cannon's 
meated power plant is to do paintball with prostitutes or maybe women. We don't know, but probably prostitutes yeah. uh, through the woods in the middle of the night. And one of them falls into a hole. Uh, this was a great, weird, creepy sequence that I liked but made me uncomfortable at the same time. That's weird that you said you liked it. Uh, I was kind of on Tulip's side and was very much like, what the fuck? But it's it's the kind of like tipping your pinky toe into the madness that is, the, uh, you know, the kind of uh, creepy Kin Cannon whole setup. So, mm-hmm. uh I mean, of all the weird things that he does, uh, this is definitely fits in uh, because he does so many weird, crazy things. So, yeah, I mean, this is a horrible thing, but also the whole attitude that everybody kind of has, which is uh, gives Tulip such great motivation for what she does in the later in the episode. Yeah, yeah, I I loved. Uh, oh my gosh, what's his name? It's not actually Roshark. Uh, Jackie Earl Haley. His delivery yep. when he's telling everybody, the, the, giving his non eulogy about this dead woman. <laughs> oh God, yes. it's great. It's so perfunctory and so weird. And to your point, completely emphasizes everything that's strange and wrong about him, and strange and wrong about this town, and mm-hmm. the way that Ruth Nega plays Tulip and these scenes as the straight man is fantastic it's it's great yes the whole pro, the whole storyline um if anything this episode is very much about kin cannon and exploring who he is and his relationship yep. to jepsy and what's going on there yeah and it's also funny how like it's he is not he's so evil and twisted but also like so very much aware of himself because mm-hmm. when She's like, well, what about this? And he goes, okay, fine. And he just kind of like changes his tone and says things like sarcastically just to kind of like check the box of like, well, I said that. I covered that. What are you mad about? You know, it was like, oh, my God. Uh, so crazy. Yeah. Uh, there was one character I wanted to talk about. Uh, she starts to come and play a little bit more of this episode that we haven't talked about at all. Emily, who weirdly to me is like this weird blip on the side of the show who I like, but I keep forgetting about because you got the main trio, you got Cassidy, you got Tulip, you got Jesse, you got Kin Cannon who's really Mm -hmm. weird. And then Emily, she's kind of like Jesse's assistant, you know, and that's pretty much it. But yeah. uh, Yeah. Well, what do you think about her? What's your impression of her, Pete? Well, I, I tell you it's, it's weird because, she does these things for her kids that are important, but it's also like, it's very interesting because you have this kind of like mom, strong mom character who does things for her religion and for her family. But then when it comes to herself, like rarely does she get any Mm -hmm. uh, fun or pleasure. So like to see her like snap and lose it, uh, you know, whether it's breaking iPads or whatever, like, uh, it's, it, she's a very interesting character. She, uh, she's a little complex. She's got a lot going on and you can kind of tell that she's very much into Jesse, but that's never going to happen. Yeah. And then, and, and then the one man who she is into or one man that is into her, she'll never give the time of day as far as like, real commitment but physical commitment fine whatever 
you know, it's kind of the classic, like, uh, stuck in the friend zone scenario. Um, yeah, it's a little more than friend zone. I mean, you have that. Scene. Yeah, yeah, I friends with benefits. You're right. You're right. right. I mean, and she friends with benefits. Yeah, and uh, they have that thing. I mean, the way that she so lazily just starts taking off her pants and walking away from Miles <laughs> in that scene. Uh, yeah, she. Listen, I I like her. I think Lucy Griffiths, who is the actress who plays her, phenomenal. Very, she's great. I, I yeah. just have a hard time. She's she's like the square peg in the show to me, where it doesn't really actually make sense to me exactly what her purpose is in the overall plot because. She doesn't fit into the mythology of between you and me, Pete. I think we can call this Genesis, you know, uh, because we'll right. find that out later in the show. But uh, she doesn't yeah. fit into the plot necessarily of Genesis. She doesn't fit into the overall mythology that we're learning this episode of Jesse and Tulip. Uh, she's not a vampire. And she's not, she doesn't strike me as like, on a lot of supernatural shows, there's always the lone human character who's naive and then eventually finds out about stuff and somewhere down the road gets very unique superpowers so that they can contribute with Buffy the Vampire Slayer or whoever. But that's not her purpose here. She's just kind of there uh, to mm-hmm. pine after Jesse, and that's pretty much it. And it's weird. I, I wish there was more integration of her into the show, but I think we can safely say, again, between you and me, Pete, that never happens. Right. But it is very interesting because what's nice is like, they've set this up. Like not all characters are going to pay off. Like not Mm -hmm. everybody is such key, but she is such a key part of right now where Jesse is, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like he couldn't run that church without her. Um, and it's also like this thing of like, kind of a common struggle of like, oh, you know, I want to be all these things, but I can't be all these things. So what I am going to focus on is being somebody who is dedicated to my church and dedicated to my kids. And if I got to just, you know, fuck a nice dude in the meantime, so I can keep all these things afloat, then that's what I'm going to do, you know? Is that uh, sorry? But, you yeah, talk, I mean, I, I no, no, I'm sorry, Pete. Were you talking about her character or you? Are you fucking a nice dude just to keep things afloat? No, no. But thank you for checking in. So I just nice want to see how you. you're doing. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate it. No, I just, uh, you know, it's it's a it's an interesting kind of character choice. Like they could have gone a lot of different ways with this character, and they decided to kind of do that. But it is. It's a it's a comment on the power that women have over men. And it's also a a comment on the things that men will do, you know, uh, uh, if they are uh, thrown the bone every once in a while. Um, So it is, I am happy that they are making the choices that they are with that character. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I feel like there, there could be other choices they would make, but they're, they're kind of sticking to their guns of like, this is who she is and this is what she's about. And what's cool about this world of Preacher is nothing is super sunny and super bright. There's dark kind of uh, things with all the characters, and Emily included, even though you kind of wish she was better, you know? Yeah. Because she portrays herself that way. I think that's a good segue to talk about um, one of the minor plot lines running through this episode with Fiore and DeBlanc, our two weirdos who are in a hotel room, which... (laughs) We spoiled last episode or angels, but 
Uh, Cassidy basically is running a scam on them. Um, He's tried to tell Jesse about what's going on with them, that maybe they're clones. He doesn't know what's happening. Uh, He finds their hotel room and tells them that he's going to convince Jesse to meet up with them so that they can take Mm -hmm. the entity that's uh, invaded Jesse's body back. But basically he's just robbing them. I mean, essentially that's pretty much it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing when you think you can't love Cassidy anymore. And right now, uh, anyways, in the beginning, you think like, Oh, Cassidy is this really cool character. Yeah, he is this type of guy, the swindler, this eye of like dark, crazy shit going on. And I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to take advantage of people because, I mean, if I was a vampire, you know, people are just pawns to me. So I'm going to use them as I see fit to get whatever I want. And yeah, I mean, Cassidy is this kind of amazing, uh, just oddball slash like wild card that you kind of throw in the mix and he's going to take advantage and do the things that he wants to do. Um, and yeah, it's, I, I love Cassidy right now, but I know what's coming up is really going to be fucked up. So, um, (laughs) yeah, I'm really just trying to stay in the moment and enjoy Cassidy right now. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I just think that it was such a cool kind of thing of like taking advantage of these two squares, uh, mm-hmm. these two kind of people who don't fit in. I mean, I love the whole thing of like, the you know, one of them sees the commercial for the hamburger and then goes up to the uh, person at the hotel. It's <laughs> like, you know, tries to order that hamburger, you know, and it was like, uh, that's not how things work. But it's kind of fun to see how out of touch they are. Yeah, we we talked about how last episode was a lot of setup. It was a lot of, you know, just random scenes, not random scenes, but a lot of scenes just kind of throwing things out there. And I feel mm-hmm. like this happens with a lot of shows, in particular with good shows, but that's where you start to get the payoff in an episode four when you can take Fiore and DeBlanc and throw them together with Cassidy and it makes sense because you understand yeah. these characters now. I and mean, that's fun. Yeah. Um, leads to some bad slash interesting stuff for Cassidy though, where there's uh, a memorial going on for the poor prostitute who fell down a hole at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, Tulip goes there looking uh, to stir up some trouble with a guy named Clive um, very much so very justified in that. Yeah. Why, why do you say that? Because I mean, if nobody cares about somebody who died like that, I mean, that's a human life. I mean, mm-hmm. and they're just treating her like whatever, like it was a party balloon that popped or whatever, you know? So, uh, yeah, the fact that she is like, fuck that I'm gonna go and kind of stir stuff up because that's what's right. You know, I, j- I just want to check. Have you never thrown a funeral for a party balloon? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, no, no. I have. Should I be? Should I be throwing funerals Dude, for party balloons? If you do not throw a funeral for a party balloon oh, and wow. bury it the right way, it'll go straight to, <laughs> bl- to balloon hell. Oh, I have sent way too many party <laughs> balloons to balloon hell. Now I feel awful. Thank oh, you. Jesus. Well, I'm sorry about that. Uh, we'll we'll find every balloon that you've ever popped and we'll, we'll bury them in a mass grave. Together. I'm good. Yeah. I'm going to have to go tulip style and just kind of go crazy. Sweet. And well, yeah. 
she goes crazy and she goes crazy on the wrong guy. She beats up Cassidy and then Which of all the people you're gonna beat up, uh vampire is a good choice. Yeah, it actually works out kind of well yeah. for her because she knocks Cassidy out of the window accidentally. He is spurting blood all over the place. Uh, and this is uh, one of the things that you alluded to earlier. Cassidy asks her for a kiss before dying. But once again, he's pulling a con on her, but it's going to lead to some pretty complicated stuff down the road. But it's also one of those things where Cassidy doesn't know the history. He doesn't know what mm-hmm. he's, you know, he just sees an attractive woman and is like, oh, yeah, I can kind of milk this for my advantage. Yeah. Um, and then she discovers he's a vampire, which classic scenario. Anytime you fall in love with a dude, you realize, Oh, either they're a vampire or they live with their parents or, you know, I mean, they're addicted to crack. It's always something. Again, are you talking from your own experience or are you talking about the show? No, no, I wouldn't. What? No. Oh, I mainly, I'm wondering if you've met a real vampire, not if you dated a dude who did crack. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who has the Meta Vampire at this point? <laughs> really good point. Um, yeah. So uh, let, let's talk about Jesse. You want to talk about Jesse? Okay. Because well, I would. I would like to actually back it up and talk about vampires. If you oh, wouldn't sure. mind, please. I am always into talking about vampires. Okay. So uh, we live in New York City. Uh, yeah. There was this one time I got I got on the train oh, and yeah, there was story. this. This there was this dude who is dressed in all leather and was white as a ghost and had this like like top hat. It, he, I I don't know what vampires are really like, but I was like, I swear to God, this guy was a vampire. And then I moved trains, and then he followed me, and I was like super scared because like every time I turned around. He was just there. Like he, like I was timing it. So I was running in between the doors. So like, I was thinking there wasn't enough time for someone to follow me yet. There he was. And, uh, it was super scary. And then eventually I just got off the train. I was so freaked out. But yeah. I swear that guy was a vampire. Pete, he's right behind you right now. <laughs> I turned around. Fuck you. <laughs> oh man, I got We're you doing this over Skype and, uh, me and Salvin are in different locations, and I definitely turned around. Nice. Yeah. Oh, man, I got you so bad. Happy April Fool's Day, dude. Happy April Fool's uh, Day. Uh, well, uh, I've never met a vampire, but I have never met, never met a vampire. Still hoping. Honestly, I'd be up wow. for that. As long as, there'd be, <laughs> as long as there'd be a guarantee that whatever took over me was still me. Like the way that they talk about it in Buffy is basically there's this demon riding your soul in your body, but you're still right. there, kind of. Um, well, you don't have a soul, but it's riding in your body. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm fine with that. But if there's a thing where like you die and then you become this other thing, not into that. Would oh, you, okay. Would you All become right. a vampire, Pete? No, I definitely would not become a vampire. Um, I do wonder. Uh, uh, now, if werewolf that's a completely different story oh really yeah yeah i'd be i'd be team werewolf no question about it why is that i just feel like werewolves like just turn into werewolves 
on full moon. So you can live like a full life and everything is fine. Just every once in a while, you turn into a werewolf and kind of hunt things and have no control of yourself. And I feel like that's okay. Oh, okay. So you're looking at the whole monster thing as a curse. I'm looking at it as an opportunity. Oh, wow. You want to live forever? Is yeah. That your... What? Yeah, that sounds great. Let's do that. Really? You think living forever is great? Yeah. I don't ever want to die. <laughs> if they can perfect oh, the man. process to put my brain in a robot body, 100% on board. What about like Futurama where your head's in just like this kind of like, you're just it's just a little plaque that says Alex Alden and there's your head just kind of floating there. Yeah, I'm cool with that too. Whatever it is that keeps me going forever, uh, I'm into it. Wow. Oh, all right, man. Yeah, dude, there is so I, much uh, TV to watch. <laughs> there is that you're. I mean, that alone is reason to live forever. Exactly. Uh, I just don't. I don't like uh, to get, be totally honest. I don't like the idea of stopping existing. I'm not into that. <laughs> All right, man. You don't think there's you know like after a while you know you're just time is up and no, nope. no. Nope. Okay, that's why I do mm-hmm. podcasts. These last forever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if somebody's listening to this many years in the future, thank you. <laughs> yes. Thank you. We appreciate it. Um, yeah. And they're like, what is this television show you are talking Oh, <laughs> I do not know. I'm a vampire. I'm a very old vampire, but we do not know what this television yeah. is. But we do download podcasts. I wonder, what, I wonder what will last longer, TV, podcast, or comic books? Uh, that's a great question. I'm going to go with podcasts oh i'm gonna go with comic books yeah and because comic books i feel like are gonna degrade over time because they're made of paper right but i feel like uh real collectors will find a way to like cherish them and keep them going and then that will become like a thing that is in museums or whatever for future generations and stuff. Do you think it's sort of a Jurassic Park situation where comic books eventually will get sealed in amber and then millions of years from now some scientists will figure out how to clone comic books? That would be fantastic. And then they'll find a way to bring like Wolverine to life. Oh, uh, see, they shouldn't do that. Just because they could bring Wolverine to life doesn't mean they should. Um, I kind of feel like life would be better if there was a real Wolverine running around. Would it? I don't know. I feel like he'd probably yeah. kill you at a bar, Pete. Dude, what are you talking about? We would be best friends, and we would drink in bars, and then he would go off and like make everybody's lives better. We should probably talk about Jesse before we run out of time, sure, just sure. because he's the main sure, character sure. of the show. So yep. the interesting thing that's happening with Jesse in this episode is now that he's explored his superpowers and understood how his convincing powers work or at least he thinks he understands how it works yeah he's a happy guy he's totally confident the thing that's fascinating about this episode is he almost has no arc where we've had him be the main character be the main focus in previous episodes here he's pretty even throughout he's decided what he's wanted he's decided to go for it uh and he does Uh, do you agree pete yeah, it's one of those things where it's weird to see him so happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is a pig and shit at the diner. I mean, he's got a line of people just waiting to talk to him, and he is oh, you're, loving you're, you're him. You're jumping ahead. You're jumping ahead. That That's next episode. Oh. Oops. 
Ah, that's all right. Uh, what happens this episode is he's trying to convince people to go to church uh, by giving away a free TV, which falls on, falls on poor Emily. But his big gambit is to get Kin Cannon to come to church and uh, serve God. And Kin Cannon does not, due to some reasons that we'll find out a couple of episodes from now. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it leads to this great scene after Jesse has bet Kin Cannon. He says that he'll give Kin Cannon his uh, land, which includes his church, um, if he comes to church and doesn't decide to serve God. And then, of course, Jesse uses his power on him. And Kin Cannon says yes, and the room freaks out. Uh, what would you feel about yeah. that scene? I mean, it's it's a fantastic scene. I mean, it's one of those things where uh, they both think the other one has them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they both think like, oh, this is an easy win, uh, which is great. Uh, and yeah, it's just one of those things where what's coming next for Kin Cannon is such a fucked up crazy thing that Jesse put in motion, not knowing what he's actually doing. So he's think he's one, but he's actually just kind of released a uh, fucked up, making someone who's already fucked up even more fucked up. Uh, so yeah, that, I mean, this is going to blow up in his face, but for the immediate future, he has a W this kind of like miracle in church where they got the, you know, him to uh, show up and to agree to this. Yeah. The thing that I think is really interesting about this in particular is there is without spoiling too much, there are some, uh, you know, physical conflicts that happen for the, but for the most part, what this episode is doing is it's setting up a philosophical conflict between Kin Cannon and Jesse. And particularly in this episode, Jesse is firm in his faith. He believes in God. He believes he has a purpose and Kin Cannon. I don't think he explicitly says it, but it's pretty clear in the way that he's coming at everything is Kin Cannon doesn't believe in God. And he has no faith, and he thinks all we are is meat. That's it. Uh, so that is the conflict of the first season of that show, and that is so well set up, particularly in their speech over the tiny little Alamo, um, you know, which is a pretty clear visual metaphor going on there. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's great. It's, it's cool to have that in a show like this where – there is over-the-top action, there is gore, there are all these things, but ultimately it comes down to these two guys and what they believe or don't believe. Yeah, exactly. These the two foes that are coming uh, you know, head-to-head here. Yeah. And then at the end of the episode, uh, something that we probably couldn't talk about, but we could certainly torture Justin about if he was here, uh, Fiore and DeBlanc are in a motel room, and they have a oh, weird phone yeah. contraption, and it starts ringing, and they just stare at it and stare at it and stare at it. And I think we can say, if you haven't watched the show before, yeah, this will be a pretty major thing coming up. Uh, but anything else you want to yeah. say about it, Pete? Yeah, I'd like to uh, – yeah, I loved how the episode ended. And I thought like that was such a cool kind of uh, ending for it, uh, especially because these are two angels and all of a sudden they're like they feel like they're in trouble, you know. Uh, so I thought that was like a really powerful and kind of amazing moment. Uh, but I would like to go back and just talk a little bit about Jesse and the fact of like, here's a man who is a bad person, then tries to honor his father and then thinks he is actually given 
you know, a gift from God. Yeah, it's, you know, it's setting them up for a pretty hard fall. But it's also, like, really interesting and fun to see him have his moment and have his thing of, like, okay, if I am a good person, this might actually pay off for Mm -hmm. me. Uh, and it's, it's reading the comic ahead of time. It's kind of like, Oh God. But like part of me is, is jealous of Justin watching it with clean eyes to be like, Oh wow. Like he's, you know, here's a guy who is kind of turned a corner and is trying to do well and thinks he's being rewarded for it. You know, yeah. uh, one minor disappointment that I'll mention. So the word of God or the word that Jesse uses serve God. And then Kin kind of says, of course mm-hmm. I will. Yes, sir. Um, Knowing what I know about King Canada for the comic books, I really thought that he was going to start serving people meat after that. Like I thought that would be the monkey's paw <laughs> yeah. of it all. Cause he is. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's not exactly what happens. Yeah. It happens in a slightly different way. Um, yeah. and I, I don't think it would have made sense to end the episode with like a visual joke like that. Um, but yeah. I don't know. That's what I thought was going to happen when I first watched it. I was wrong. All right, let's move on to, uh, yeah. to our next section, which is Revelations, where we talk about the most revealing or best part of the episode. Pete, what's your choice? What, what was your revelation for the episode? Um, I, I would have to say that I really love Tulip as a character and seeing what she will do for what she believes in. Uh, in this episode is just fantastic. The fact that she is willing to like, uh, you know, kill somebody, um, uh, for what she thinks is right. Uh, is, 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 it's nice to see her as a character kind of do those things and jump through those hoops, uh, even when she's wrong. And I think it's just, it's just a nice extra layer that we get that you don't kind of get from the comic book about, uh, this, uh, character and I, I l- absolutely loved the comic and the graphic novel, but seeing her this way in this TV show has been so much more enjoyable thus far. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go. So, with- so my revelation, my revelation is Tulip. All right. There we go. My revelation is the Kin Cannon scene at the end. I just thought that scene in the church was so great and the way Jesse works it and tries to convince him. It was just so well paced and there wasn't really yeah. a doubt in my mind that Kin Cannon was going to be commanded to do this, but I was really curious to see how it would pan out and it panned out really well. I, I like the way they played that scene. I thought it was very good. That's it for this episode. If you want to support this podcast and other podcasts that we do, Patreon. Wait, wait. What, 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 what? what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, uh, I did want to give one TRL-style shout-out. Yeah. Uh, what is it? A guy on Twitter uh, wrote to us, um, and he is a big fan of Preacher, a big fan of our show. So Zach uh, Vanderberg. Uh, gave us a shout on Twitter, so he asked for a TRL shout out. So uh, there it is. Uh, that wasn't really I a I don't know TRL. What TRL. I mean, yeah, I would I'm say not if you sure were what that a... means. Uh, here we go. Hey, what's up, Zach Vanderberg? Uh, thank you so much for being a fan. We can't really do it without people like you. You're the best, Zach Vanderberg. Woo! <laughs> so. Nice. 
Thank you very much. Uh, there you go. I'm the new Carson Daly. Uh, guys, you did work at MTV for a while, so. Yes, I did. I actually never met Carson Daly, but I did meet Kurt Loder at a film screening one time. Uh, I, oh, man. Yeah, I yeah. sat down. Somebody, uh, one of my friends at VH1 said, oh, hey, there's two seats next to Kurt Loder. You want to sit over there? And I was like, uh, okay, I guess so. And we sat down, and she said, hey, Kurt, this is Alex. He works at MTV. And I wish you could get this over a podcast, but he just looked side-eye at me and said, hello. <laughs> And then went back to exactly what he was doing. <laughs> and anybody else, I'd be entirely insulted. But it was Kurt Loder, and it was perfect. That was exactly what I wanted out of That's meeting a- Kurt Loder for the first time. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it was That's absolutely amazing. If you want to support this podcast and other podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. in New York that you can come see for free and check out. Uh, Pete, what else do you want to plug? Uh, friend us on Facebook so you get to know about all the amazing guests we have coming up in our live show. Check us out at Comic Book Live, comicbookclublive.com for the podcast and more. And uh, Pete, when are you going to yeah. introduce me to that dude you're dating? <laughs> no, probably never because there is no dude, but thank you. Oh, well, thank you. And thank you guys for listening. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. 